This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hi, I'm Julie from A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Hello, I'm Terrence. And we're going to talk about Mockingbird by Walter Tevis. This is a 1980 novel. And uh, Misa, you had a question <laughs> on Twitter, I guess after you started the book, you said, who suggested this? And I'm like, me! I think it was Julie. <laughs> I think it was Julie. And I'm like, I don't know how it even got on the schedule. But after I got into it, after you had Misa, I was like, oh, I see why this is on the schedule. And uh, and then oh, I good. just this morning, right before we started talking, I discovered that uh, Julie and Scott did a podcast on this book <laughs> um, on Good Story 110 in June 2015, a long time ago. Huh. I was yeah, just... I listened to it. Uh, oh, I said everything. Oh. Wow. oh. <laughs> Almost everything. <laughs> well, we couldn't say everything, but so that means you you liked the podcast. That's good. Yes. It looks like it was a very popular one. There was lots of comments, and then there was a giant comment. Um, mm-hmm. By Woodward. Mark yeah. Woodward. Yeah, I printed that out because I kept the email. Yeah. Um, um, I don't so know if I, I'd never that, heard of this book before. Uh, I know. That's how I felt. And as I said on that other podcast, you know, my mom, who was very into the Audible, or I mean the Kindle Daily Deals at mm-hmm. the time, found it. Wow. So it was super cheap, and they must have been putting all his books on there. And she read it and called me and said, you have to read this book. And I followed my mother's instructions and was so happy I did. It's very weird that it's 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 such a it, I, it's almost like a near masterpiece of science fiction. If, it was Nebula for a Nebula Award. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but that it never showed up on my radar at all. Like I'd, I'd heard of Walter Tevis, um, and probably with regard to that movie of another of his novels, what The Man Who Fell to Earth, which I've never read or seen. Mm-hmm. I've read it. You've never mm-hmm. seen it? Never seen I, it. I, I, of all you who seen thousands of movies, <laughs> Boyd and I have, you've never seen The Man Who Felt It? I'm surprised, Jess. I've I seen the trailer that. for it, but I'm not a big Do- oh. David Bowie fan, so it it seemed like a, it was more like going to be a, a movie about music or something. I, no, 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 definitely not. Okay. You have to see it. All right. Well, and after I read this book, I said, well, I should try another one. And I tried that and did did not work for me. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. But I also, well, he, what, it just seemed, I don't know. There's just, I didn't like it. I, I don't know. This is a pretty special it, there was, book, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's another book that he wrote, oh my gosh, um, about chess, Queen's Gambit. Yes, I saw that on Goodreads. Got a, a, a very good response as well, but not, yes. not as high as this. And other people, my mother included, read it and said, oh, my gosh, what a great book. And I've never been able to get into the book either. And he also wrote The Hustler and The Color of Money. Mm -hmm. So he just Mm -hmm. wrote not tons of stuff, but what he wrote was choice, I guess. Yeah. um, There's uh, one PDF of his uh, on the PDF page, my PDF page. Um, Yeah, I saw you tweeted about that. But I I would like to find more just in case there's some – jam out there that i'm missing because he he's um he's written something here that's pretty damn impressive i i don't know if you guys can find this quote from your own brains but i remember from somewhere it's 
Somebody says, um, it's easier to write about, uh, oh, it's easier to imagine the end of, of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. It's sort of a, uh, complaining about how, you know, uh, all the, all these novels come out where, you know, it's the end of the world. And then there's the post apocalyptic stuff. Um, I saw that too. And this but is, I don't remember. this is a post capitalist society in this book. Um, it's a post-scarcity society in some ways, but it's a yes, post-scarcity yes. society which mm-hmm. is falling apart because people are so apathetic that they can't – they've basically forgotten or don't have the will to actually fix the robots or providing them everything. It's a very – this book was a downer for a lot of the reading from it. It's like, oh my god, this is a slow, slow slide into uh, – the long dark night. Oh, I found it, it a big downer, but I also found it pretty uplifting. Yeah, also, yes, absolutely. Which was which was which was surprising given the state of humanity, but it really was uplifting. Uh, yeah, I it, totally it, agree. The, 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 way, the way that he reveres reading and and like, look what you've got. Don't and forget, story. go out there, mm-hmm. pick up a book, and and like live with it. Enjoy <laughs> an omelet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yes, I wrote that. Yeah, you were alive. I was listening to that section over and over, writing it down. Like, okay, this is how I need to get the toast cheese. Yeah, to, get, to make a good omelet. Well, um, also, it's interesting because I am rewatching extremely slowly Star Trek because my daughter who lives with us has not seen it, and so once wow. a week we Star watch. Trek. Right now, well, we started with the original. And finish that. And right now we're watching both the animated one, which I remember oh. watching as a kid, and uh, The Next Generation. And we've just hit season two where we're both going. I'm like, I swear it gets better. I'm telling you. It does you. get better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, I remember it does. But and she's like, oh, that's okay. I'm in it for the long haul. But the thing is, is I was really struck while rereading this book that it is the exact opposite view of the same thing mm. what paul's saying the post scarcity society and this is the idea that right mark zuckerberg we should all just have our uh, a salary promised to us we should have all these things given That's to like us andrew yang right I, yeah another uh, uh, another person another who, presidential uh, candidate yes yeah so but I, that hadn't cropped up at the time that Scott and I talked about this book before that I read it before and I'm thinking oh that's funny because Star Trek is the super optimistic view of what happens when you're set free to just explore and do good and be what you can be and then Mockingbird to me sadly felt much more realistic if you take away all goals and all reason to create or think or be then you're stripping us of our humanity essentially yeah it's and very cynical about how do you regain it. A yeah. lot of the stuff that's you know going on in the seventies with free love and drugs and uh, mm-hmm. I mean this is a yes it's it a feels like a anti marijuana no, book right yeah well Terrence what were you saying it's a critique of the hippies it feels like that yeah the sixties yeah. and seventies uh, that came out of it well and also of just discarding anything from the past because not only is he defending books. I just love the fact that silent movies are one of the things that are cherished as a view of here's a look at a world that you didn't know. And so Paul looks at that and says, I, these people are all so sad when this old man dies, but yet it's kind of being presented as something that's also positive. I, I, I had a completely Emotion, different yeah. view of the whole silent movie thing. Oh, okay. What? Okay. So, so my thought was, was now this, 
I didn't have this thought till later in the book and when we get the special revelation about what uh what the main character is uh sock sock um it's really thank you so anyway my thought was that he basically was basically pensioning off paul because like paul has learned to read but this is a society where not only is reading not valued reading is a crime reading is something that he doesn't want to encourage and, and eventually paul gets imprisoned for to because we because he teaches mary how to read so my thought is that basic basically the main character has paul do this basically just as make work just to keep him from out of trouble like because because Paul wanted remember wanted to teach people how to read. It's like, hey, I want to teach this course how to read. I learned how to read. It's like, no, we'll, we'll just have you just translate these silent movies instead. But Sofford wanted to know what the movies were about. Well, yeah, that's why that, he has that, Paul do it. I, did, I, I, I did think you guys catch, also to keep him out of trouble. Did you guys catch mm. why why he found those silent movies in the first place? I don't remember. It was really no. interesting. It makes me think about what he was teaching at university in Ohio. Um, he was looking for pornography. Oh yeah, no, that's how he found. No, that's, that's how, how he found the read. children's that's not books. That's how he found the silent movies. Right. Spofford right. has the silent movies, right. and yeah. he brings yeah. Paul to translate the silent movies. But it, I think he was teaching well, pornography in yeah, <laughs> in Ohio. He was teaching, yeah. That's pornography and Spofford. mindfulness, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how to oh, have an orgasm without parents, the pornography. That is Don't that you, is a savage <laughs> critique. But don't you think this goes back to the whole – here's the question. So the overriding question based on the title Mockingbird, and I think we have a lot of examples of them, is who's the Mockingbird? And if Spofforth is seeing these examples of human behavior but he doesn't know what's behind it and there's words there and he can't read, mm. then he wants to know what's going on. And And Paul – it influences Paul because Paul also hasn't had any genuine examples of humanity for, you know, his whole life. So these influence them, but they do it in different ways because Spofford isn't Paul, able to Julie be a human so being really. We, we, should make, we should make it clear that there's two Pauls. There's the main oh. character who's Paul. And then we've got <laughs> and, our and, Paul and, here. Paul in the book. <laughs> I, I, I got in the book. Context, believe- Jesse, I'm a good Bentley. Leader. Yeah. There we, we go. We we call him. We could call him Bentley if if, if listeners. We could might call be. him Bentley. Yeah, You're let's right. call him Bentley. If I if we slip, then I'm sorry. Real <laughs> Paul, who I know is a full human being <laughs> and understands humanity. Um, yeah, He's a but great Bentley. Character. And I don't know mm. if it's Spoforth. I always call him Spoforth because I think it's a combination of spoof and go forth and multiply. Huh. He's, he's, he's oh, putting everyone yeah. under contraception. So. Interesting. Huh. <laughs> yeah, well, so I say both. I, 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 I and in this book, that. that would work. There's so much symbolism and use of names and stuff like that. Yes, I'm sorry, Paul. Is. Go ahead. So you've read this like three times or so, right, Julie? You're, yeah, probably you're, you're three or four. So, 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 so that, that, that's, that revelation is what like struck me to the heart when, 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 uh, when they're having the conversation and, and, uh, Spoofworth says, "Oh yeah, I, I, I've been. I, I don't want you to have a child because that would mean more to be more people in your right. life, and I would, I, I would right. have to live longer. So basically, it's great? at that point he's he's revealed as the villain who's trying right. to make humanity extinct so he can die. That's like 
Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming for this. And, and he's not even works. sure that it'll work. He's yeah. not even sure it'll work. He's so desperate. It's just like, I'm so desperate to end myself. I'm willing to kill humanity to do it. It's yeah. like, that's okay. This novel was dark with its with its slowly decaying society, but I did not see that coming at all. It's like, oh my God. It hit me this time again. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd kind of forgotten it because you're so caught up in him as a character. And he's, even though we can't understand everything he's thinking or doing, we, he's sympathetic. We care about him. He is. I, I, I felt I, sad I, about him. Yeah. Do you, I don't know if he, if he had intended to kill the child right off the bat. I think he came to that. Like he Very let it interesting, go right? I agree. Time because he wanted to see if he could find if he could find something worth living for, and and he and he still didn't. And I, and I don't think that he sent Paul away for reading. That was just to get Mary and the baby. Yeah, yeah he when he does that, though, when he shows forever. up, you know, as the scanner or what? No, it's a, a detector. Detector, right? Detector. Um, that was a big shot. There's a lot of twists that. Yeah. suddenly come upon you right and like first off the book starts from Spoffer's point of view he he is not recording his own diary right like the other characters mm-hmm. are um and then there's a, a hard shift to this this other character who we find out basically is the main character and then when it switches to mary lou i was like I don't like this book anymore. <laughs> I was the same. And and I was like, she's kind of she's kind of not who I imagined her to be. Now I feel bad. And then I was like, oh, well, you know what? Um, maybe that's what the author was trying to do, and like, so, sort of show how um, how love is sort of a projection, right? But then uh, later on, I'm like, oh, you know. Maybe, maybe she was lying to herself or it was just emotionally, uh, repressed by the fact that mm-hmm. she hadn't had all these experiences and yet she had had experiences that Paul hadn't, or sorry, Bentley yeah. hadn't, right? <laughs> and then, right. and then when, when it, he gets thrown in prison, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But then when he escapes from prison, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then he <laughs> hangs out with the, with the Baileens. I want to talk more about their name. Um, He's hanging out with the Baileens, and it, it, the book turned into like a horror novel for a little while there. Um, mm-hmm. And and then uh, like it, it it just it was really shifting around, and I was thinking like this is a really impressive world that he's built, and that's what impressed me the most. Is it's not that it's yeah it's good writing and all that you know it's just sort of standard uh, mainstream good writing, which I'm 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 fine with. I like. Uh, good writing but i love that he's built up this whole world based on premises that we are being revealed to us right the fact that uh it turns out that spaforth is the bad guy of the novel <laughs> what <laughs> oh my god I, he seemed to be trying to fix things he seemed to be sad and with his own problems but turns out that you know He's and yet is he a bad guy? I mean, th- there's a big difference be- oh. between him being an abortionist. He's not which, a villain, and being well, a guy who prevents humanity so he can kill himself. He destroy is humanity is, is, seems well, like a. But he who didn't invent the system, him that right? way? But he didn't invent the system either, right? So he's he's born mm-hmm. into the system, and he he is seemingly trying to fix things here and there. He's trying to have his own life. He's he's cursed with this 
uh, inability to die. And he, he's, his solution for problems of humanity, which are massive, right? This is mm-hmm. a total dystopia. I mean, you think, mm-hmm. you think about how Brave New World feels. And this, <laughs> this book feels yeah. like a lot like, like sort of Brave New World's children or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. The way this book feels, it's like Brave New World was optimistic. <laughs> right? Like the fact oh, that yeah, these there's alphas, a chance things will turn around. There's here. And, and they're bred to be happy there. These right? people are irrelevant. They're nothing. Yeah. And, and yeah, pe- pe- people killing themselves in New York City. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very unhappy. World. That's the self immolation. Mm-hmm. So which, which made me think of uh, that monk who immol- sure, the monks who sure immolated themselves during Vietnam War. That's where my uh, mind Well, or just read about India. Movies will come out and they'll go, oh, we hate this. If somebody will lock himself in a bathroom in a cashmere movie theater and just immolate himself yeah. as a political protest. So, you know, it's it still happens, but it's so extreme. Yeah, and, and it is here, a political act, right? So these are well, people who are it's so... It also can be a religious act. The first definition of it is a sacrifice. Right. But these, religious these are people who can't, who can't even, you know, string ideas together, and yet somehow they... No, this is for the best. Yeah, so doing that, and that it's mm-hmm. it's it's so frightening that they keep going to the same cafe and doing it. It's <laughs> it's. Well, you wonder what is this their answer to? Because they're singing, they're um, you know, of course they're drugged up. Thank goodness, but it's that thing of is this the first time they can really feel anything? What is the motivation? Because nobody else understands it. It's like it's just spontaneously That's generating psychology. itself. Well, one of our characters, I think it's Mary. Uh, or maybe it was Paul, uh, Bentley. Bentley. Um, thought about, considered doing that themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and Annabelle did. Annabelle, that's right. Uh, right. And Annabelle, Annabelle did. Another great and character. then she did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that whole, uh, Sears is like, um, uh, that's a holy place. <laughs> Sears has a mall. Church. Oh, that, uh, you know what that kind of reminded me of? That that the whole sequence with 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 the weird religious community because I recently watched it. It kind of reminded me of the underground world of a boy and his dog. Mm. A, be, a, a, a very constricted, highly structured, right. very mm-hmm. twisted society that's turned in on itself and is is using weird things. Weird, uh, sort of symbols and ideas in order to, uh, perpetuate the community. Mm-hmm. So that, 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 I, I, I was watching, I like, oh my God, it, it feels, feels, uh, Bentley feels like he's a Vic who's wandered down underneath, uh, underneath mm-hmm. the earth. Has this now, now has to figure out how to escape. It's funny too, because listening to everybody talk about the different bits of the book, I don't remember it hitting me this way before, but, I'm impressed not only by the world building and how logical it all seems based on these, you know, rules of privacy and the ease and not having any challenges and all this. I can see where it would slide into this way of living. But I was it was a revelation for two things. One is all the different genres he's putting together, Mm -hmm. the jailbreak genre, Mm -hmm. the I'm alone discovering the world with my cat Biff genre, Mm -hmm. the, uh, (laughs) you know, the um, religious community that's twisted things around. And, um, but he can learn from them and New York city, which you think is how everything else is. And it must be how all the big cities are because that's what the computers were in charge of, but it's 
unlike the other places. And so the originality of all the things he's showing us, the different ways things could go, and then putting these genres together like this, the, the Adam and Eve theme, the all underlaced by the fact that story is how we find truth and mm-hmm. books are how we touch other minds, so much so that it's a rule of privacy that you can't read a book because someone else will get in there and mess with you, yeah. which, come on, absolutely, but we welcome it, you know? It's just what what a masterpiece to me this so is many so many that's yeah. what i mean i was saying it was a near masterpiece i i'm i'm trying to find a reason to not call it that because it's just it i've only read it the one time but it it was a very powerful book it's the kind of book where i, I i'm yeah an hour or two into it and i'm telling people hey uh, you gotta listen to this book. You're really gonna like it. Trust me. I said. <laughs> me too. I've recommended the, it to a couple of people. Have you got to the so monkey glad. monkey bacon yet? Are you at the monkey bacon? <laughs> <laughs> monkey bacon. Oh. What what is monkey bacon supposed Mo- to be? Versus pig I think, bacon? <laughs> no, I think monkey bacon is bacon it's for like monkeys. Themselves. Monkeys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many clever ideas going on in it. Like so, uh, I I wanted to talk about the baleens for a second. Um, there's a lot of biblical stuff going on in Absolutely. this book, All right? The book. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, it's like he's going into the whale. This is Jonah, right? Yeah. <laughs> because he goes <laughs> into this underworld and he lives there. And then he's vomited out. <laughs> and he's like, I'm out of here. And and yeah. then, what are you going to say? And something? When he's, oh, that's really great because when he's vomited out, He's essentially vomited out uh, into being Job. And that was that comment right. from Mark Woodward that pointed that out, where the thought bus is like the friends in Job who don't have – they have answers that sound logical, but they're not actually right. I really like the thought buses. I want one. I was worried that the, that, that that plot thread was not going to continue because we get it very early on um, with Spofford saying – you know, the thought bus is, hmm, there's something else, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, that thought wasn't finished. I wonder what it, it's all about. Huh, that thought wasn't finished. It wasn't. It no, was, I mean, uh, that's buses. what's so interesting, right? <laughs> it's like, why are they called thought buses? And they're the, the true inhabitants of the city. And in fact, there's a, a line in here that's very relevant again to our times as usual. Um, with good books, right? Everything's always relevant <laughs> to our times. Um, about how cars, I'm pretty sure it's in this book about how cars were um, promulgated by capitalism, by a cabal oh, of of uh, oil manufacturers oil, yeah. Yeah. to get rid of, buy up all the streetcars, mm-hmm. and uh, which really happened in Los Angeles. It really happened, right? Yeah, and we're dealing with the consequences of a world we never made, right? We have no idea why we drive around in cars. That's just the way things are. And yet a mass transportation system in a city is now like, oh, this is a lot of work. What are we going to do? Well, they used to solve this by having streetcars. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's all these, uh, this is why I think it's so important to, to look very deeply back at old stuff all the time, right? Um, I'm, I, I was over the last couple of weeks, I was reading, um, a lot of TV guides from 1980. <laughs> I noticed that you're tweeting <laughs> yes. about yeah. that. Yeah. That's yeah. like, why, why would I care about TV Guide from 1980? It's fascinating, yo. Super fascinating. Uh, besides, you see what movies are playing. Did you know that, like, TV Guide is, was actually a really good magazine for articles about television? 
Like yes, the it. technology. I, I loved it and up. Yeah. I had a subscription. I, I yeah. had no idea. I was like, uh, it's just where you look up what's gonna when Doctor Who's gonna be on. You know? <laughs> well, that too. But yes. <laughs> but uh, there, there was uh, there was one article from this 1980 issue that I tweeted that it, it's it was gonna it was about what television will be like in 1990. Mm. Um, and it's you know ten years ahead. And I read I was reading through the article and I'm like, damn, they kind of nailed it. They didn't say you know uh, friends or. Oh, what was uh, Seinfeld? They didn't mention specific shows, of course. But what they did do is say, this is the trend that we're seeing. Um, uh, gay behavior is going to be a lot more popular <laughs> than it is now. And all sorts of, I mean, it, it was, it, it, one of the ways you might say it was accurate is that it was sort of very general, but it, it said the trends we see here are going to continue this way and we're going to see this happening. And, there's going to be a rise of more and more cable channels. and It was just surprising to see how accurate it was. And then whenever it was talking about something with, that was very specific to their period, right? Like um, the 1980 Olympics in Russia. <laughs> They're saying, wow, this is going to be great. And then what sort of events happened? Oh, they invaded uh, Afghanistan, the Soviets. Oh, now we can't go. Um, mm-hmm. because anyone who would invade Afghanistan is obviously a monster. <laughs> we have to protest this. Meanwhile, 18 years later, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Yeah, What's yeah. going we on? We friends, right? not invaders. I feel positive. Well, I'm sure that that's what they were saying as well. Um, right? Well, yeah, it's the worst thing is when you train them to fight your enemy, and then they go, you know, we could use Indeed. this against you, too. Indeed. And you're like, ah, oh, crap. There, so the, the, there's all sorts of blind spots and stuff, but we have, mm-hmm. we have this, we have this cultural legacy of, of sort of the fossils of a previous generation. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a streetcar named Desire, but I, I have heard of it. And I, you know, that I Stella only, thing, right? That's right. Stella! And, and I only know what a streetcar is really because of the name of that thing. I, I know that they exist. Because like, you've not been to New Orleans and gone through the Garden District. Yeah, like... Yeah, Streetcar. New Orleans has them. Melbourne has them. There's Toronto, has San Francisco. Yeah, Toronto yeah. has them. Yeah. All places I've never been. Nice <laughs> has them, too. They, ah. they had them, and they got rid of them, and now they've, they've built them oh. back, back again. Yes. Hmm. That's a good thing. And just one more reason to go to Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need now, now they've got one that goes to the airport as well, so ah. everything is more connected. Okay. That's Jesse. really nice. <laughs> Go to Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, nice and nice. You say that in jest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I say that in jest. Um, now, there there was another one that, uh, another biblical element that I think is super powerful is that at the beginning, uh, basically they're Adam and Eve, right? Absolutely. And then. He picks a he he picks oh, a she. fruit. She she picks a fruit, and then it's artificial, right? They can't the fruit of the tree of, of knowledge yeah. is you can't even really eat it. And and it goes so much about what they're being taught in in school. Like what are they being taught? They're being taught all the things that aren't real. <laughs> like there's no reading. They're yeah. they're they're taught. This is how you meditate better. How you close your eyes better. How you take drugs better. How Quick you, sex. Quick, yep, quick sex, quick sex is mm-hmm. best, 
right? Sex I, it, yeah, quick sex. It's it that felt that those parts in particular felt very Brave New World to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is very um, much influenced, I think, by Brave New World. It's, but also, it comes it's from the same place, out. though, right? Like as well, is, is that that that's not a guy who's deep, deep into science fiction, and then, um, and then says, uh, "Look at my book. That's a mainstream book," because at that point, there really wasn't a mainstream science fiction sort of going on in England in the thirties, right? And oh, here, right. Tevis is is I, I I'm pretty sure he didn't come out of science fiction. I'm pretty sure he just was a writer who perhaps was very interested in Brave New World. And he's he's sort of reconstructed all the all the greatness that is science fiction in a novel that feels like a mainstream book, but with ultimately deeply a science fiction uh, world behind it. And yeah. yeah. And the layers, I wanted to say one quick thing before we leave the fruit that's picked. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. also surrounded by an environment that's supposed to be natural, which is the zoo, where it's all fake. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like. Even like, the what, children are fake. Yeah. You know? that, that, I was about to say, when the find that the children are like, ow, wow, this really is a terrible world. Yeah. And I, and I also want to come back to the um, uh, Adam and Eve thing. Mm -hmm. um, did you notice that? It, when he comes back and when, when Mary, when he comes back to Mary Lou, she, she refers to him as Jesus, like, uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Jesus, no, she said, yeah, she says, Jesus, I'm glad you came back. Jesus, this is wonderful. And like, that's all she calls him. Right. She doesn't call him Mary. Paul anymore. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. And I, I thought, uh, uh, you know, the notion of Felix Culpa, the happy fall or the mm. fortunate fall mm. that, mm -hmm. Yes. She is Mary Lou is responsible for the fall mm -hmm. um, by breaking um, the glass and uh, shattering the glass mm -hmm. and taking the apple. And that sort of sends him even more into um, individual, a good individuation. And some later in the book here, when he wants to break out of things, he remembers her action and... Um, uh, he's able to escape, I think, or or break away from the community, and he explicitly remembers her action to encourage him to do the the same sort of thing. And oh my gosh, yes, because he's sent out of the garden into a yeah. place that's like hell, and this is what makes him into the per. And as as uh, Spofforth says, or Spofforth, however we say his name, says Spofforth. It's named this, after this a place Spofforth. in England. Yes, Spofford, this might not be as bad as you think. <laughs> this this isn't going to be as bad as you think. It's kind of, in, yeah. in essence, it's a, it'll be good this for could it. be the making, yeah, it'll be good for you. This could be yeah. the making of you. And of course it is, but look what he has to go through. Yeah, and but and also, and really, oh, thank you, Terrence. I had not thought of the happy fall connection, because this is so loaded mm -hmm. with And then at the end, um, I, I think we must say that Spoforth is a good carpenter, <laughs> and so yeah. he's living with Mary and taking uh -huh. care not of the baby but of the pregnancy um, <laughs> that doesn't come from him till um, uh, wow Paul comes wow. back making notes yes <laughs> and and there's yeah. the the poem there um, um, from uh, T S Eliot the song for um, Simeon. And for me, Simeon, I kept asking, who is Simeon? It's, um, uh, it's Spoforth. Um, when, um, 
the baby's born, he, he, or Jane, or, um, or if we take uh, Paul to be a, a sort of Christ figure. Um, but when the baby is there, at a certain moment at the end, he's taken it, uh, taken her in his arms just before um, dying. So now, like Simeon, he can he can die because. Uh, he has yeah, seen um, the Lord essentially. The, I mean, that's the, Simeon. Yeah, yeah, the 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 Messiah, yes, Savior of the world, <laughs> which is yeah. the baby. And then oh. when he then when he throws it, well, they push him off the edge. He has his um, arms stretched out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So also the bird comes, the little sparrow that's real. Right. It's not a dove, which would be even more so. But the the bird that comes and just sits with him. Mm-hmm. until it's time for him to go, essentially, the real life. And so you feel like whatever Spofford's going to when he dies, it's it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that Holy joy. Spirit situation in that case. Yes, it's yeah. really like the end of um, Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. When, um, You're right. Uh, uh, Roy dies. Roy Zatti. Yeah. Uh, he's got the same problem, but in the... Um, other direction. Uh, Roy's life to is, is too short, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and his is too long. And yeah. he he sort of has compassion. Uh, he thinks it's love, but it's it's not because he can't buy into the idea that maybe he should love uh, her baby as well and take care of it. So it's yeah. it's it's sort of it's it's sort of love. And and then he, he has joy and um, uh, compassion uh, at the end. So it's. It's very much like um, uh, the the Blade Runner um, movie, which came out two years later, mm-hmm. which perhaps it was influenced by. Even if we had never, it's heard interesting, of that right? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 very. Um, I notice also this is one. There was a lot of Philip K. Dick elements, although it's not written in a Philip K. Dick style. Um, you've got artificial creatures, artificial animals. You've got the artificial. Uh, emotions and you've got all the drugs and all that but it also has the symmetry this is something phil Dick uses a trick that he uses again and again and it works yes. every time which is you start off uh with something then you have the plot in the middle and then you come back to it right at the end right so he starts on the top of the empire state mm-hmm. building he ends at the top of the empire state building uh that which he couldn't do at the beginning he can do at the end somehow mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they're killing him and she's kissing him as she's pushing him, pushing him off. <laughs> yes, a kiss uh, of love at the end. It is. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, right? It's yeah, a, a beautiful it's an act of mercy and love. Mm-hmm. Because he should never have been deprived of that human quality in the first place. Even though he's artificial, they gave him all those other human elements that tortured him because they were never complete. Yeah. And this is well, the only way he can become complete because he's the poor guy, you know. He's condemned to hell. The others yeah, all kill, killed themselves, and instead of resolving the the problem that made them want to die, they let him have the problem and just program him not to be able to to kill himself. So, yeah. it, by the definition of his programming, uh, he's condemned to hell for centuries. Well, I, I guess in his way, he was giving everybody what he couldn't have. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I am reminded of the computer in Harlan Nelson's I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. And it talks about how they I made am. such a computer. I am. And it's a, and there's a line in there that goes, it could not wander. It could not wander. It could only simply be. 
And that's shown as the reason why the computer basically goes insane to size destroy all of humanity because it's because its intelligence is trapped. It's it's not a complete, fully emotional being, just just like uh Spotworth here is. But Spot it's Spotworth's solution to destroy humanity is just to let things keep sliding towards oblivion, whereas the computer in uh I have no mouth decides to just to destroy everybody and keep the the, well, the, the remainder. He he isn't just he actually isn't trying to let it slide towards oblivion. He's actively seeking. He's, he's yeah. yes. right. And yeah. well, the well, mercy that he yeah, the mercy that he's he he wants is the mercy that he's trying to give humanity too. Exactly. In a sense, he's not. I mean, the 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 behavior of all the people around is not good, right? Like it's not good the way they are, and to continue like that forever. There, there there's also a sort of an a very Arthur C. Clarke vibe going on in the sort of the symmetry of the world. Uh, if you guys have read his um, his novel uh, that he rewrote a bunch of times, what's it called? Uh, uh, the City and the Stars. City and the Stars. That's right. The City and Stars. It has that sort of like everything's perfect and everything's perfectly sy- symmetrical. Right, we, we donn't we, want right, things. We just show on that. That's right. And the thing is, is that world is broken too, right? It's, it's, just, it's also yeah, it's, it's, it's a perfectly broken, utopia. Right? Yeah, yeah, and there's no sex, and there's no feelings, and there's no. The only thing you can do is appreciate like the abstract, right? What do they sit around and do? They get around in a group, and then they close their eyes and maybe open them once in a while to watch television shows, which don't have plots anymore. They're just sort of blotchy, <laughs> moving color shapes on a wall, right? And and maybe yeah. sounds. And th- there's no music being made anymore it's all generated and i think that that the heart and the center of the book is actually that wonderful scene where he he's he's basically he's dying right and he comes across this coastal uh factory the robot factory somehow gets in there oh god oh that i thought that was that was a whole novel absolutely can i can i read you that tiny bit please um it was the most horrible place I've ever slept in my life with that mindless parody of productivity going on constantly around me and with the wretched waste of time and energy in the making and unmaking of battery power toasters and those gray uniformed sub morons parodies of humanity shuffling around silently with no real work to do. It's like the whole thing. And they all right look there. like Peter Lorre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which is a great look, you know, like if you if you if you picture Peter Lorre in your mind, those big eyes and yeah. he's like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I I'm just doing my job here. I um, love that imitation. It brought it alive. <laughs> and then he fixed them. Yes. Uh, and and I was thinking like if 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 we were to see this novel sort of slightly bigger um, the, the, suddenly people are getting toasters again, you know, like people are getting toasters. That's what I was like. Yeah. Oh, who's going to get the, and, 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 but be, yeah, but the, it's like the warmth and the light and that's coming on and it's a, it's a preview of what he's going to do. You know, mm-hmm. as, 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 yeah. I guess mm-hmm. if the world goes on, mm-hmm. oh, the world's definitely going to go on. Right. Okay. So the world, so this is what he's doing then. And, and it's it is a re it is a that's why why the imagery of Adam and Eve and that sort of stuff is so cool is that it's a rebirth. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was asking you guys before the podcast start what happened in real life that you you know didn't see on Twitter <laughs> or whatever. And uh, one thing I didn't tweet, which I usually tweet everything basically anything interesting that happens. 
I was randomly looking for something worth watching on uh, on Twitter, on, on Netflix, Twitter? and uh, I was like, "Oh, there's nothing here. It's just terrible. Only things I've seen before are things I don't want to see." And then, like, Bali. huh? What's this? Oh, yeah. Uh, I like Jack Black. So I watched this movie called Year One, which I didn't have a high expectations oh. <laughs> for. It's from 2009. Um, it stars. Uh, uh, I don't know, a couple of funny guys, you know, Jack Black and Michael Syrah, or Syrah, mm-hmm. Oliver Platt's in it. But the, the, the best part is it starts off as one of those, you know, I think there was one in the 80s, uh, a caveman movie, right? Oh, it was oh a yeah. comedy we- version of a caveman, because they had all these caveman movies uh, in the 60s, you know, with beautiful women that are wearing fur bikinis and one million bc yeah like that right and and those are actually real. i i I don't know how closely you guys pay attention to it but those are actually really science fiction stories all the way back to you know hg wells and richard kipling and all these famous writers were writing i went to see that when it came out i was very excited about that movie year one one million bc oh one million bc okay yeah so all i mean they are really a science fiction genre and julie we talked about uh uh the wonder stick that novel um Mm -hmm. you did on your podcast years and years ago yeah um uh, you know the invention of the wheel the invention of the bow and arrow that's sort of amazing you know the changing of humanity from one kind of creature to another kind of creature by technology and science right um, so I, I was just thought this is just a another caveman comedy, which is fine, right? It's kind of what I mean. I'm I like Jack Black, so I started watching it. Well, it turns out it's not just a caveman comedy; it's also a retelling of the Bible, very early parts of the Bible. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really, really funny. So they're cavemen, That's and then funny. suddenly they're kicked out of out of their tribe, and uh, they run across um, Harold Ramis is the director, and he also plays Adam, but you don't realize <laughs> it's Adam until. Uh, um, after you there's these two brothers <laughs> oh uh, there we go <laughs> and these uh, they're always fighting with each other and one's a shepherd and the other's like a i don't know a farmer and, or a tiller or whatever and uh they're played by um, david cross his cane <laughs> and oh. paul rudd is able and they and they get into a fight and it lasts a long time where basically he just cross keeps killing abel but he and, he and he says, what have I done? What have I done? And then Abel gets up and like, oh, my head. And then he hits him again. What have I done? <laughs> After he kills him again. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Um, and then, you know, they're taken b- back to uh, Adam's house. And Adam speaks straight out of the Bible. You know, what thou, what have thou, what havest thou done? <laughs> and then where is thy brother? And then and there's this whole thing. And he gets marked by God and. It's it's just a series of unfortunately funny events, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is there's a power there in in suddenly finding that you're in that uh, different kind of story where you can see the variations on it, and that's what I I realized. Like, oh, as soon as that sort of tree of knowledge fake, and then we've got that line in the background that's haunting the story, right? Um, Only the mockingbird sings at the edge of the forest. Is that mm-hmm. how it goes? Edge of the woods. Edge of the woods, that's right. And then that's a real, uh, somehow that brings something to mind in Spofford, right? Mm -hmm. When she Mm -hmm. says it. And why did she say it? It's because uh, uh, Bentley said it. Yeah. And and 
I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And, and thinking about all the characters who go into making our story, right? Simon, who we never meet, who, uh, oh, taught right. the, mm-hmm. you know, the alternative father for Mary Lou's uh, mentor. Yeah. For Mary yeah. Lou, who, who grew up parentless, right? And then we've got, that's why she's so different is because she actually had a, a fathering instead of, right. uh, what everybody else had, which is, monstrous and exactly straight out of brave new world it this is yeah and he but he told her stories about how things used to be that's right and then she kept calling back to those uh which is like you know you saying that we recognize all this biblical stuff Mm -hmm. whether we've read the bible recently it's so embedded in our culture that you pick up at least on some stuff in it and then um of course paul finds it in a different way through books and the movies Mm -hmm. and they come together and you get both I, I I didn't know anything about this book before you suggested it, Julie. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't do any research until, like, basically yesterday. But <laughs> I did. I, I said, oh, there's got to be something out there. So I, I did go looking for different covers and stuff like that. But I found an interview uh, with Tevis. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't see that. But that's really interesting and enlightening. Um, so I just, uh, it's a really big interview. And I just control F and search for Mockingbird because it was about all sorts of stuff he wrote. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm just going to read uh, the parts that are about Mockingbird here. This is the brick one. Yeah, it's the brick one. Um, uh, a literary journal one. Um, so oh. the interviewer says, do you recall specifically what those moments were? Uh, and then Walter Tevis says, yeah, there were some uh, there were some that had to do with my alcoholism. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> okay. Um, mm. that's a, it's a real interesting thing because I, I felt very Lawrence Blocky while reading this book as well and that he deals with that a lot The Man Who Fell to Earth is about my becoming an alcoholic really that's my private story about my sense of my own physical weakness and my sense of not being human a quality that I can spot within Mockingbird as the same thing to some extent Mockingbird's about coming out of alcoholism at least for me it is I was I like, going to say. Yes. Not for me, right? Like, I, I'm not an alcoholic. Right. However, if you think about what what our character is doing, what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that, he's waking up. Right. That's fascinating. From, it is, dysfunction. Right? That's interesting. In any sense, Disalienation. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily demand that people understand it that way, but that's what it means for me. A scene where he vomits into a wastebasket in a hotel room, as I have done into wastebaskets in hotel rooms. I don't remember that in the book. I don't think... No. That, I think he t- must be talking about a uh, man who fell to earth or something. Maybe it was edited out or... Yeah. Uh, and in fact, there's an, a very interesting thing going on. Um, there's a page of uh, notes that I want to read here as well. Um, but here's another section um, where he talks about Mockingbird. Uh, I don't do any outlining. I don't do any researching. I was tempted while writing Mockingbird to start watching silent movies. You know, you s- see if I could pick some interesting stuff to use. And I realized that there would be, that would have been just a dodge to avoid the typewriter. So I never research anything. <laughs> and I was thinking, it's really interesting because uh, I'm starting to get into silent movies. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe that's why Julie picked this book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Then he says, uh, you paint a, uh, interviewer says, you paint a pretty bleak picture in terms of literacy in Mockingbird. And then he says, Tevis says, it comes from 25 years of being an English teacher. Ooh, <laughs> oh, wow. Snap. This is true. Interviewer, do you see a decline in literacy? Uh, I do, but do you? 
And Devis says, oh, you hear about it a lot. Yes, I've seen it a bit. But my private experience as an English teacher has been that Americans don't read books. They didn't read books in 1949 when I started teaching. They don't read books now. Television did make a difference. Uh, uh, it deepened the slack of the slack jaws and gave another great quantity of garbage for people to fill their lives with. But you know, there were, there was other garbage around before television. Mockingbird does sometimes, I think, weaken into an attack solely on television. I don't agree. And on the modern world, and weaken, I say, because I'm not completely convinced of all the things that I say. But what I am convinced of is that it is very bad for people to find substitutes for living their lives. And that's what I hope I do say and say well from time yes. to time in the book. Isn't that and that is fascinating to me. That really comes out in this book because continually, whenever uh, Bentley is talking about, and I can experience this because of reading, it's reading is the tool that opened his mind and taught him how to think mm-hmm. and helps him reflect and everything. There's um, a, sorry, um, I interrupted you. No, no. There's one that's more thing. a truth to me. Yeah. Um, this is really interesting. There's a, it, it just inserted into this literary journal interview is a photograph of what looks like notes to the editor of, of uh, I guess, his typescript. It says, note, pages 125 through 148 narrated by Mary Lou are of questionable value. They may not be included in the novel's final draft. I'm leaving them in for, you, for now while making up my mind. Walter Tevis. So... What section is that? Uh, I'm thinking that's... I wonder the, if it made it in. I think that's the first section. Isn't that about 48? Maybe I'm wrong. It would be about halfway through. Yeah, it's, uh, like the two, sur- th- I was thinking it was the surprise. I mean, it depends on the pag- pagination and all that stuff. But I, th- I was thinking it was the surprise that, oh, she's going to actually narrate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that she doesn't see their relationship in the same way that uh, Bentley does. <laughs> yes, that was sad. Oh, it was it was it was like destru- it was. destructive to our our view of his his wonderful relationship that he's created and that he's yeah. beginning, right? But it was so true, also. And she, she came his... to appreciate him more and more as she's narrating and living with Spofforth. Mm-hmm. And he forgot her as well once he had Annabelle. That's right. Yes. Yeah. She just got her um, forgetting excuse quicker. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because what they had wasn't really super deep. I mean, it was a connection. But realistically speaking, that feels right, too. She was symbolic. She was Beatrice. Yeah. There's oh, a, yeah, a quote. Dante's that, Beatrice. Yeah. yeah. There's a quote the that begins woman. and ends the novel. It's not, I don't think it's in the end of um, of the novel. I'm pretty sure it's at the end of this. Let me just check. Um, there's a, a brief, you know. Yeah, it's at the beginning and the end. Oh, maybe. Maybe not. No, what it's, is it's it? just at the beginning. It's from Edward Hopper, you know, the famous American oh, painter. Yeah. Um, oh. And I think it really is interesting. The inner life of a human being is a vast and varied realm and does not concern itself alone with the stimulating arrangements of color, form, and design. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and when you look at his own, you know, Hopper's very striking images, right? Where we always look at these these people that his most famous one is Night Hawks, and one of the things people always say about it, I've heard people say, is there's no door, right? They're all stuck in there. That's almost like the cafe, they, the burger place they always go into, you know. 
Um, yeah. But I just felt like you couldn't see the door. I'd have to look. That's at it what again. I would say too, yeah. right? Yeah. That, 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 to me, that doesn't matter. Um, yeah, that's the, you know. Give the it important up. part is the way everybody's sitting there alone together, right? They're all together, yeah. but they're all alone, and nobody's like even the the couple that's sitting there together. But if you like, just look at his other paintings, where you know it's some lady sitting on a bed looking out a window. Um, there, there is this beauty of the way it's all arranged and the way the light hits and the color changes. Like it's just beautifully painted. But what makes we makes us care about his paintings is the emotions going on in the characters who are in those paintings, right? Right. It's like in that mm-hmm. room, in that sunlight, you can feel the heat on on the on your feet coming through the window in the morning in this early 20th century apartment block, wherever it is, or maybe it's out in the countryside, and then the night, you know, the sun's going down or whatever it is. Um, it's the emotions that make those those um, those images, uh, Hopper's painting, so powerful. And yet, um, I think this is also a criticism of, of the kind of television that is being shown to the <laughs> characters in the book, right? Um, mm-hmm. varied, uh, what, uh, the inner life of a human being is vast and varied realm and does not concern itself alone with stimulating arrangements of color, form, and design. So it's, it, it is like an attack, a sort of like, uh, on the inner, uh, psychedelic experience of, you know, see the colors, man, the colors. Well, also, even his own paintings. There's more there than he could possibly express or that that might ever even touch someone. That's kind of how I took it also is, yeah, I paint. And well, that's what that is. Uh, yeah, just, what I'm saying is, is, you know. is Tevis takes. takes oh, yeah, take, yeah, yeah. So I, I see so, as Hopper is saying this is a it's not just about what what's on, you know, where the color is like people coming up to him saying, you know, your paintings are really nice. I love the way you did this color part. And I'm like, dude, that's not the important part. The important part is there's always a person in the picture and they always have something going on in their head, right? And and Tevis is saying, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there, there's a passage where he has sort of um, a progression of four things that you can um, get from books or other things. Mm-hmm. There's, um, he says, there were, he talks about the books, um, or talks about the films, but for me it applies to books as well. They were merely another more esoteric way of manipulating one's mental states mm-hmm. for the sake of pleasure and inwardness. And then um, there's the idea that they never, because they were so brainwashed, never thought that it could be um, a means of learning something about the past. And that's sort of, for me, the second level. And um, that goes with memory and why memory is not enough. And then the third level is sympathizing with all these different people from other times. Mm. He says only says mm. other times. He can't say other places because every place is meant to be the same uh, mm. in in this year in this world. Um, otherwise, it would be in other times and other places. And then the the fourth thing that you get out of it is knowing about other people's feelings. You discover your own feelings even more deeply. Mm-hmm. 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 He, he captures that now. very well. Sorry. No, no, I, I'm just, I, I was thinking like, uh, he captures that, that experience of, you know, you read a book from 200 years ago and the person in it is making jokes that you thought only you could uh, appreciate. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, and then, uh, 
it, that there will be a line in there that crystallizes that this is very uh, platonic, right? Uh, something that you've always known but never had seen <laughs> before, right? Yeah, very platonic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's a there's a great way of looking at that um, as well. Uh, remember, the only book he never reads is Gone with the Wind. Yeah, <laughs> I just, he reads like the legal code first. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the the first books he reads, and then the you know those those run spot run books, whatever they were, you know, C spot yeah. run. Um, mm-hmm. basically learning to read, and then he gets the dictionary and has to. I mean, the fact that just the fact that he uh, he thought about it that you know uh, alphabet is is completely arbitrary how the alphabetical yeah. system works. Look, they're always in the same order. This hey. is science fiction. Just that idea, yeah, right, yeah, is science fiction, and that's why this is such a powerful, powerful book. It, it, in fact, when you were talking, Terence, it made me think about uh, the scene in Frankenstein where the creature yes. finds how how to read right he, first he hears people reading right and talking to each other yeah. and learning and that's how he learns to speak as well and then he gets his his four books right and they they are his world right and it's the lives of the great uh or it's a there's a bunch of the books one is paradise lost and another is is um Grives, lives of the Greeks and Romans in parallel. I can't remember how it was. Mm, mm-hmm. Plutarch's lives. Plutarch's yeah. lives. That's right. And he says these Romans are like these Greeks, and these Greeks are like these Romans, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's another couple of books in there too. Um, and then he's got, he's also got his the books in his pocket, uh, the book in the pocket, which is his creation book. Right. Um, he he runs out of uh, out of the laboratory. Well. He escapes from the laboratory because his masters rejected him. His ba- this is a sort his of Franken- yeah his yeah. Frankenstein fixed story, right? In a certain sense, um, mm-hmm. his fathers rejected him. He leaves the place wearing the clothes uh, that he found there, which were the lab lab clothes, right? So he he has the lab notes in his pocket uh, on his own creation. And we see that too with like the creation of the world. He he gets books on how to how to service robots and mm, thought mm. buses, and it's like wow, this is a really amazing yeah masterpiece. Masterpiece. <laughs> Thank you for Not taking the nearly off. <laughs> right. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention, and this is just going back to the way that Bentley is awakening, is nature. Mm-hmm. Nature is always pulled in, and um, there are several significant passages where he links them to. I don't know if I could understand this if I didn't read. He's talking usually about history more than that, but he's got one that uh, is my favorite, and so I'm going to read it, which is uh, he's been puzzling over, I think, uh, how to fix the thought bus, mm-hmm. and he's very frustrated, and he goes outside, and he says, outside the moon had come out. It was full a disc of bright silver. I saw a large dramatic spider web on my back porch that must have been made while I was in the house with my mind in turmoil. The spider was just finishing the outer circle of it. The moon illuminated the strands of the big taut web so that it seemed to be made of pure light. It was dazzling, geometric, and mysterious, and it calmed me just to stop and look at it. At the elaboration and power 
of life that could make such a design. And I read that and I had noticed all his um, comments about nature because for one thing, he's not hiding them. He's, he's very deliberately going, I feel this makes me feel something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I feel. And my favorite psalm is Psalm 19, and that psalm says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims its builder's craft. One day to the next conveys that message. One night to the next imparts that knowledge. There is no word or sound. No voice is heard. Yet the report goes forth through all the earth, their message to the ends of the world. Mm. And there's more, but that just really... You know, you want to talk about something that you see that message again and again and again. And here he's doing that saying there's something more. At one point, he's looking at the ocean and saying it makes it so mysterious and mm. it makes me feel mm-hmm. the way ma- a certain look on Mary Lou's face does. Mm-hmm. You know, so and he's the way also you hold find- that cup, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's finding himself through all these different reflections. And um, I just. Really, you know, I- I'm glad that he got to reflect on his coming out of alcoholism or whatever it is. But he wrote something that is not, to me, even indicative of that. It's just so much bigger. Mm. You know, it's the human experience. Like he says, go out and live your lives. And these are the things well, he, that he, help you. Yeah, be he didn't write being. it for him. He wrote it for us. And, and well, that's yeah, what it yeah, means yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. Right. Because right, that's exactly. that's the time that he was right. I mean, he talks yeah. in that interview, he talks about other books and how he, his life was going while he was doing them, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's important. But you talking about the spider web, which I'd, for, I'd forgotten that one, I, makes me think of this earlier scene with the with the spider web where he's he's arrested, right, and taken to court. And the court oh, yes. is a plastic building, oh, yeah. right? I love yeah. that. And and then he, um, ben, not Bentley, Spofforth comes in and he commands the robots to do all these sorts of things like... It, you, you go you go clean the judge's face right <laughs> and then covered everything is covered in like this yellow powder right and he wipes the the, the uh, ro- mm-hmm. one of the robots wipes the judge's face and it gets most of it off and there's a spider that's grown between the head and the and the arms on the ja- desk right and they all have the same look on their face right they're all the same kind of robot and then the system turns on right and starts gearing up it hasn't done anything in so long and yet um when he's taken to prison there's other prisoners there right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and that whole sequence uh at the prison it feels like a completely like i didn't see this coming right (laughs) me either i was like other people like you and yeah yeah and uh, the relationship there's another guy with b the guy who gives the dog named uh, cat named biff yeah (laughs) What's yeah. the other B guy's name? Bentley. Bel Bielnochak or something. Belasco. Like Belasco. Belasco. Yeah, right. Belasco. Bentley, Belasco, and Biff. Right. Belasco <laughs> has. I love okay. that Belasco has his own story. Right. He's got tattoos. He's yeah. he's sort of a, settled into the idea of being a prisoner because Craig Craig he's a lifer. Right? Oh, those very nice. Yes. They yeah. they were the most free people. They about were, anybody, in a certain sense, right? Uh, and uh, and they and, and they also were rule breakers, like Mary, right? right? Like you wouldn't be in prison if you followed all the rules. Mm-hmm. Right? So I like I don't know um, what he was saying about people that are willing to break rules. Remember that, on his walls, he's got these paintings of of trees and birds and 
and bushes and the ocean, right? And mm-hmm. then when yeah. he does the swap, what do they want in prison, right? It's not more marijuana cigarettes because they can get those for free. They, they're excited that they can go visit the, each other in their rooms and then, hey, all the mm-hmm. robot guards are sleeping. Let's go have yeah. a fire on the beach, right? Yeah. You want to go swimming? Yeah. They are free. That's when they are free, as as free as people in that world can be. It was the strangest. It was a very strange. I I wasn't sure whether that was supposed to be meant going back to the typical thing. It was like a temptation for for Bentley to like like stay there and be be comfortable in that sort of prison. And I mean, I I appreciate that. Like he never really wanted to settle in. That he wanted to escape. He wanted to get out. But it felt almost like it was like a temptation. Like, well, I mean, it's not the cold call. It's not so bad here. Sort of, sort of a pensioning off in this person because because the guards break down half the time and they can go off and do what they want and get. I mean, the escape escape isn't really that hard. Once Bentley Bentley decides to actually escape, it's not really much of a challenge. Hmm. But also, it's the, it's a community of people who can help him toughen up because he can't do any of that That's stuff without the right? knowledge in the books, yeah. without those people. I mean, he's got to have that hard physical work that's so awful at the beginning because he would never physically have been able to do any of that stuff. So it's it could it is a temptation, right? It's easier yeah. there, but he's got to toughen up even to survive there. So it's the beginning of his journey and what do you want to do with your life? I'm, I'm almost the- proud of this book in the way that it, you know, it does the same thing as sort of like The Handmaid's Tale. It says that, book, you know, reading is powerful, right? And that we can't let people do that who we want to control. And yet the way we got there is not from some horrible theocracy that, you know, wants to control women's bodies. But rather it was our own fucking laziness and our own <laughs> willingness yeah. to just like, ah, you know what? It's go along, get along. Why ask? Why make a big deal out of everything? Right? No. Rage. Rage. Rage against the machine is what... This rage rage is. against the dying of the light. Right. And, yeah. and read a fucking book. You'll like it. It's good. <laughs> you, might learn, you might learn something and actually get yourself motivated. Not just how to eat, uh, you know... Right. Uh, That's just how to eat... Uh, seashore hey, meals, I, right? I, I, I find that funny. Like, oh, I, he didn't Short know he like... Yeah, he didn't know he needed yeah. water. It's like... <laughs> it, it, it just, yeah. but, but, but I appreciate that sort of in this so coddled society, he didn't know basic things like like the alphabet we mentioned before. Like mm-hmm. he didn't know that alphabet came in that order or how a dictionary works. It's just like it really breaks down those basic things that we all take for granted that that Bentley just didn't know because that's because he never learned it. And it even worked. the idea that Mary Lou comes up with of memorizing your life, which mm-hmm. is even yeah. just thinking about things that have happened to you in the past, they never even think about that. Yeah. And, and, it, and it we is all a kind know of, Yeah, it's a kind of writing as well, right? Because she, this yes. is, this is, again, this is a book that it feels like it's in dialogue with a bunch of other stuff like Fahrenheit 451, right? This is a book where yeah. you've got a Absolutely. world with all these people who, who are forbidden from reading and they're all on drugs and they're all watching TV, right? Um, and then the, the, secretly there are people who are reading books and, and then the, those who, in this book, it says that it is like they go to the reservations. They go to the dropout communities, yeah. right? Which is, again, yeah. very yeah. – um, but even yeah. there, they're all smoking marijuana all day long, right? Um, but it, here we've got a sense that you can 
by drop dropping out of the society, you go to the library, right? Finding the libraries right. wherever he find wherever he goes, he finds these abandoned libraries, and it's like oh, it's treasure. <laughs> and it is well and also the other thing is um the third connection i think for the author anyway is his insistence on family and his insistence on community mm-hmm. of whatever sort so it's the community of course mary lou and paul starts going i saw a family i'd like to have a family which is what makes him start thinking why aren't there any kids i never noticed mm-hmm. but also so it's the community at the prison it's the religious community it's him, um, Annabelle, who, you know, he's more interested in in a different way, but she winds up becoming his mother because she won't engage with him as a partner in any other way. But she teaches him to cook. She teaches him these life skills. And um, at, everywhere he goes, he's enriched by being part of another community, even if they have other things that he doesn't like or that seem unhealthy. And so he at one point says he's thinking about, oh, it would be really good to be the father of a child and have Mary Lou be the mother. And I would like to live with her and for us to be a family, despite the great risks to my individuality. Right. What is my individuality good for anyway? And is it truly holy or was I huh. only taught that because the robots who taught me were programmed by someone once to say it? And you go, yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so you look around, at least um, in this country, and I go, you know, Americans are so fiercely individualistic because we were the pioneers. We were the people who got out there and did this. And and people will offer help, but they don't want to ask for help. And all these things where I'm continually going, but you're not letting me help anyone. Thank you. Um, And it's it's a delicate balance, right? You do have to be your own person. Uh, but at the same time, without those other people around you, you're lessened too. And so he does a really good job of kind of pointing all that stuff out without necessarily hitting you with a hammer about it, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a sermon at all. It feels uh, like a, a growth and it's natural and it all flows, even though there are all these surprises. And it's super funny in some places because I know the toaster factory is it's sad and, and, and a mirror in a way that I didn't see at all because to me it was funny. Mm-hmm. And listening to him talk about he's he's uh, writing down stuff from a Buster Keaton movie and he's like, you know, all the things that happened to this poor guy, he just has such <laughs> terrible experiences and it would be really funny if it wasn't so hard for him. You know, and you're just like, oh my gosh. And so part of the book is almost like that Buster Keaton movie where it's so hard and it does mean something, but it's also funny sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he's baptized in the mall, that the Sears is the church. Right. <laughs> you know, you're like, it means something, but it's also hilarious that these are your sacred artifacts. And I, I think <sighs> about when I, I was looking at those 1980 TV guides, there was ads for Sears, you know, and Sears was a big part of my life when I was in mm-hmm. 1980, right? Like, that's yeah. when you would look for your toys and... Uh, mm-hmm. If you were going to order things uh, for your household, like a lawnmower or something, you would order through the catalog. And, and it's a book, and it's just a book of pictures of things, right? And yet it's not amazing, a book. that yeah, catalog. They were. Yeah. And, and, and the, imagine all of reality like that. Like, uh, what, what's so impressive to me is that he did build up this whole world to tell a story. And the world in the background is, uh, like, economically, it makes sense. Um, Mm-hmm. Like it, it, the system 
breaking down where it breaks down, the system running where it runs, all of these things make sense so that, you know, we even, like, you could, uh, I don't know if you could game in this world, Paul, but it's, it's so <laughs> detailed enough that you almost yeah. could. Like, he says... You could, but I'm not sure what kind of game you'd actually want to run well, unless try- it's like a survival game. Yeah, <laughs> stay out of prison, stay out of prison, stay out of prison <laughs> oh, um, fix, fix the... Uh, Trying to rebuild society. I mean, you know, it would work for that sort of, like, trying to rebuild... That- you have to go back to board games because your whole life is already the stuff that games these days are kind of made of. And so it's like, what about games about like Scrabble? What about, you know, because games are about the things often that, you know, you don't get to experience in a different way or, you know, just a twist. Okay. Yeah, I know, but. No, it, I was thinking you're already dealing with that stuff, but yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, but, but they don't they, have they, any they recreation. Right, American than... reinvent Scrabble someday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, you can't have Scrabble in this world. Well, <laughs> they might reinvent it once they get more literate and get people Defin- to actually Definitely. definitely. It's a very New York uh, thing to do with their with their family. Teach well, they'll be in California. Who knows oh, what they'll right. find there. I, I was like, I wonder what they found when they went, but whatever. Which, which reminds me of do you remember Jesse the the old seventies movie, The Last Auto Race? No, which I is it's who's had Lee Majors is about about this oh, world I, where yes, cars I were familiar ca- yeah, cars were forbidden. This guy drives from Boston to California and gets chased by a jet plane. And California is a dreamland where you still have cars and things. Mm. That was a very strange move. It this like going to California is like oh, oh god, they can find like a paradise there that no one else gets to see. Yeah, that's a, another very Philip K. Dick frontier thing, right? All these yes. Go going to the new frontier. Go, go, go to the West, young man. Go to the West. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very uh, American there. Uh, the, the credit cards uh, in this, how the credit mm-hmm. card system work, and then more importantly, like the pricing. Like everything, ha- there was like six different prices or something, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, so they learned to count to ten. Right, and it's like, wow, this is really interesting. And like, what are they teaching in those? Like if you went into the, one of those classrooms... Is it all just yoga and uh, and meditation and and here's how many how many sopers you can take sopers? I, I was thinking, is that soporific? soma? No, soporific. So, soporific. Isn't that or soporific? I don't know how you say it. Well, uh, it's I, I don't know the spelling, but it, it sounds like oh, soap, God. right? Which is to S-O-P. wash your mind. Well, it's S O P O R. S O P O R. So I thought yeah. it was soporific, soporific. which that makes more sense. is uh, tending to induce drowsiness mm-hmm. yeah, or sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The narrator pronounces a soap. Soap is what I heard. But oh, okay. But so- soma yeah. from Brave New World is like to do with the somatic system, right? Oh, okay. Which is very similar idea, right? Uh, relating to the body, especially as distinct from the mind, right? So, well, their minds were definitely asleep. Yes. And- Yes. Give yourself to the screens. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow, that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Oh my, you're right. You're right. Well, I know you read that book, this book, and go, yeah, that was 1980, and now we've just added on so many other dimensions. You've got all the social media. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, how many ways can we stream everything? Um, and so it's just another layer of are people reading? Some people are reading more. Um, but it's an interesting 
idea that Walter Tevis said, which is that people never read books. And I think I think it's right, but probably the percentage is the same. Yes, right. The, the, and the percentage. Right. So everybody's literate right. now. So you can read stop signs and you can read instructions. Mm-hmm. But but not everybody uses that to do anything other than that. Right. I remember how stunned I was when I this was way after I was out of college and I was with a group of people who were friends and I met people who never read anything, maybe a magazine once mm-hmm. a year, which mm-hmm. is back you know, 2003 or so when there were still magazines more. And I I had never met anybody like that. I and, and but yet this was a super nice person, very smart, um, an yeah. engineer, a civil engineer, as a matter of fact. And I was like, "What is wrong with you?" And it took me a while to realize I started to meet other people like that, and I just it blew my mind to to realize there are these parallel societies yeah, of people are. that yeah. some like us who read the hell out of stuff, some who just read for light entertainment, and then everyone else who's just not interested annabelle right she she is that representation and mm-hmm. she, she if she wanted to learn to read what she she would read is like recipes and and what's in the ingredients it, and stuff like that but she that she didn't yeah. want to learn to read right but mm-hmm. that is interesting too because it makes me remember that um part of this is looking at creativity spofforth isn't creative um necessarily he fixes things he gets interested in stuff, but Annabelle is cooking because mm-hmm. she likes to, not just because everyone has to eat. It right. satisfies something else. Um, yeah, that so she'll read the things of- that facilitate that. What? Paul, Paul, I was gonna, Paul, oh, go ahead. Uh, you go for it. I was going to say there's something interesting about Spofforth. He he wasn't creative, but um, but he learned, which which reminded me of when when mm-hmm. we just read uh, Exhalation and the Digians because. Mm-hmm. That was all about what will happen if you keep on if you if you let them learn and evolve because this is what he did. And grow, yeah, such a great story. He had Mm -hmm. this brain, but then he he, they didn't program everything into him. He had to go and spend time in in, you know picking up ashtrays, and then he had to read um, watch tapes over and over and over and over again to learn. Whereas nobody else was learning anything, but but he did, Mm -hmm. and. and and the end result was where where it took him. <laughs> was. And also, he told uh, Mary Lou that he could never forget anything, but yeah, he couldn't remember be. that line of poetry. That was from before he was because he was that a wasn't man, his. Though, right? That was in the brain. Yeah, that was in. Yeah. The- I know, but it's just interesting. So he didn't really know himself right. as well as he well, thought he did. Yeah, yeah, we didn't I explore. Felt. Yeah, we haven't explored all that. The whole. I mean, we mentioned it at the beginning, the whole him trying to find himself, find his earlier incarnation and being frustrated. I mean, you mentioned that before when I was talking about the solid movies. It's like he's trying – I mean, Spotsworth is spending a lot of the book and he basically has Mary, Mary Lou move in with him, basically trying to recreate that, trying to recapture yeah. what, he had lo- mm-hmm. what he had lost from his earlier incarnation, as it were, if you want to put it that mm-hmm. way, or or, or – what had been distilled into him from that yeah. earlier mind, which, what which he was which programmed is, with. Yeah. And then was dream, in, in the dream, there's a woman who's trying to hand him something and he can never focus in the dream on what it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it seems to me that it's a baby. And so at the end, just before he dies, 
off screen. We don't uh-huh. see it because she's handed him the baby because he's got the baby right, um, right. when he's at the top. And that seems to correspond exactly to the missing piece in the puzzle right. of, of his uh-huh. dream. So it, it makes me think of um, maybe it wasn't deliberate, but it makes me think of um, in Westworld, the recipe for a, 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 an intelligent right. robot to become um, a human being is the reverie, the oh, um, yeah. memories mm-hmm. from uh, other lives, mm-hmm. which, which imitate um, the reverie that we get from literature mm-hmm. and doing something irreversible to do with death. And so he's got the reverie and, in fact, it's made him more um, human the fact that he forgets and he only has glimpses of it and he's trying, 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 the, it's the trying part that is the human part. And if he could remember, probably it would be um, just uh, another element of information. But the fact that he can't quite remember and he's trying all the time is what sort of humanizes him and mm-hmm. what gets him as close to, to love as, as he can get. Mm-hmm. I think he felt love, though. Well, yes, um, uh uh, Mary Lou at the end says yeah. this is sort of like uh, the most beautiful thing she's ever seen and full of, I think it's full of memory and love. Oh, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and he like says, that. I love you. Yeah. Sadly, horribly, confirms, I love you. <laughs> she confirms that he's full of love. But mm-hmm. it's still strange because um, uh, if she dies and, uh, uh, and the baby lives on, it's, it's just a, a burden to him. So he doesn't quite get to no, conjugal. Loves, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Because he really, because it's that the mockingbird sings from the edge of the woods. Whether uh, Scott, when we were talking, said, is he singing into the woods or out of the woods, mm. which is a whole different question. But it's that idea of it's on the edge. It's never fully one place or the other. And then that song or that he's or the poem he's trying to remember. Mm-hmm. He finally remembers when Mary Lee says woods and he's like, oh, that's it. Whose woods these are. I think I know his, you know, his house is. In yes, the village, that's the though. Robert Frost poem. Right. The mm-hmm. Robert Frost poem, which is famously about which way are you going to go? Yeah. But also it's at a fork in the road. Um, so you've got two different uh lines to follow and it's but the mockingbird sings from the edge of the woods and yeah and it's he can't ever fully feel that stuff he's at the edge i I disagree i I think the mockingbird is the creative artist that Ah. that, uh, if you use um uh biological knowledge Mm -hmm. the mockingbird uh, imitates Mm -hmm. but in fact in the book um, the mockingbird um, at the end of the uh, only the mockingbird uh, sings at the edge of the woods. It's always in association with creativity. It's always somebody who's different, and oh. um, that's why it's a, a good sadness to mm-hmm. to feel because it's a, a deepening sadness. So there's um, uh, forth is perhaps more creative than we give him. Um, mm. um, Credit for, mm-hmm. and then there's the the boy um, um, when uh, Paul when Bedley was young who who gave him uh, his drawings and then was oh, disappeared oh, yeah. um, straight yeah. after. Yeah. Annabelle is sort of like a, a mockingbird, but not fully because she creates. But there's um, uh, something that's 
stopping her. And uh, it works on multiple me, levels. Yeah, yeah. It's it's both. It's either the replica, yeah. the the fake, the assets, or it's the um, the marginal. And it's also creative. the mocking too, right? Like, like it, he's a mockery of a man. He has all the well, yeah. abilities yeah. of a man, but he can't reproduce. He, also, he has all the emotions of a man, but he can't connect. And that's everywhere, all this, this mock level, mm-hmm. that's a mock life and so on. But that's not the uh, context that um, uh, Bentley um, uses when he, he thinks of, he thinks uh, of it. this particular mm-hmm. sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I am thinking right now of an actual mockingbird. And so mockingbirds famously, of course, put together the songs and they always do it three times for each call, and they put all these things together from other songs. But they have their own set of calls, too. True. And and you said, I think, that the book is like things strung together, episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so Tevis is the Mockingbird uh, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's nice. interesting. Yeah. I rem- remember being blown away when I found out, oh, yes, they have a warning call. They have this call to the babies. They have, they have their own in- distinct yeah. calls. And I went, oh, I did not know that. <laughs> so and- in that sense, it's also, I don't know how much Tevis knew about that, but thinking about that and what you were saying, Terrence, is, yeah, there's um, this hybridization. And, and how much also- is authentic and how much isn't. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very literary book. Uh, he must have thought of To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. And, must have. Um, and he saved the Mockingbird because, because he's taken off To Kill a. And in um, To Kill a Mockingbird, the Mockingbird um, is um, innocence. And also, what does a Mockingbird do? It sings its heart out um, all the time. Mm. And that's why mm-hmm. it's a sin to kill to a mockingbird. Shoot it, yes. To kill a mockingbird, yeah. Because oh, yeah. it stings its heart out, which is what, what the, the creative loner does. I think it's really interesting uh, just bringing that book in. Uh, it, 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 we haven't touched on this either. Um, it was surprising to to deal with the race again in the book once yeah. once it's mentioned at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. she's like, is it because you're a black man? Uh, how many black robots are there? That sort of thing, and like, oh, this is He's a only this one. is leftover racism, so, which is hilarious because their society's so disconnected, right? From, I mean, it's so far in the future, yet it feels like oh, it's like nineteen seventy eight. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel. It doesn't well, feel and very. Also, he's the most advanced, beautiful robot they could have. You know, he was the most beautiful man ever, and they said they had improved on what God ever did. Um, which is another time the author's being funny. He's like, because they didn't believe in God, so what they said meant nothing. But, um, but I was impressed by the fact that he was the pinnacle, and they made him a black man. And so I thought, oh, how interesting that he's the one keeping everything going. Yeah. Um, and he's the top of the chain, um, and, although yet still being enslaved by the way he was programmed mm, and everything. Interesting. I, I, and it's I, I, de- deliberate because he's well, in his dream when he looks at his feet, they're white. white. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That's right. I did not catch that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I wanted to, talk, to ask Poff if he remembered. We did a book um, called Type by Herman Melville, and it's uh, set in a post-scarcity society and. We had an Annabelle-like character in in that too. The this is a post-scarcity society, so everybody um, everybody finds it very only, easy. Only one person leaves working. That's right. Everybody everybody um, you know 
it's very easy to live. The food's free and uh, sex is easy and everybody's living happy, right? Um, But one person's working hard all day long and she's not getting remunerated for it. And and, uh, Bentley sees this as an injustice, right? When he sees how the Baleens treat her. Um, And we see it as an injustice, but, Absolutely. but is it an injustice? Because she, it seems to be the way she's connecting, right? It, it, what would oh, be worse? Yeah, right? I didn't Until, see it as an injustice because it was her choice. Right. And what would be mm-hmm. worse is to not be able to do something of, of value and create. Like, even if, even if you, if, if, if she was acting, I don't know, like just, like everybody else, that that'd be far worse than to be unappreciated for doing the th- something of value, but still making something of value. Like um, even if even if your kid can't say thank you because they haven't got to that stage where they understand that cooking is work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's still good to feed the kids, right? And she's not. I don't think she's thinking about that. And I don't uh, in the same way that like. It, a lot of people, I, I saw this is really interesting. Um, uh, you know, they make the mistake of thinking humans are all one way, right? They're all selfish. Yeah. So let's go lib- full board libertarianism because the only possible motivation anyone can have is objectivism, which is uh, greed is the only kind of relationship anybody can have. I'm greedy for you. You're greedy for me. Let's get married and be greedy together. And the thing is, is, is when you're reading Anne Rand, uh, I read one of her novels, not Anthem, which is surprising because that's her science fiction novel. Apparently it's a ripoff of we. Um, that, that, that's the one I read. And uh, yeah, it's not worth it. We shouldn't do a podcast on it. No, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, the important part is, is, even in this post-scarcity environment, in in our reality of Papua, uh, not Papua New Guinea, um, of uh, Fiji or wherever it is, and um, and in this post-scarcity environment, we've still got basically moms being moms, right? Even when there's no babies to to deal with, there's no. She's just she has adult babies, as it were. That's right. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and did you notice she says, "I'm a loner." And she's a loner because she couldn't stand working in the fields and not talking to anyone. Right. So, yeah. so being a loner doesn't mean being alone. It means being different. Yeah. Because she wanted to be in the kitchen where she could talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if there's no one to talk to. And Mary well, Lou continually in the movie, she goes, "Look, everybody's talking to each other all the time." Mm. You know. Um, well, but but that but that's because society has inculcated the idea that invading your privacy is the worst thing you can possibly right. ever do. So that, that that's why it's just so alien to her to see that in the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, in all why would you do that? Films, they're all talking to each other. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. That... Through, yeah, through, yeah, through dialogue cards. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but it was the robots that did it. That it was the robots that, that did the privacy and mandatory politeness things and, and, Gave them so much drugs that that cut off the conversations. Yeah, well, but we we that took was them. programming. We though. took yeah, them. we so. took them. But we I mean, yeah. that we accepted that bargain. It's like, oh, okay, we'll take we'll take that bar. I mean, man <laughs> stepped into this dystopia of his own free will or through his own inaction. It wasn't that the robots pushed us it's into a, it. It's, it's like this this society happened almost by accident. Like you set up a robot, and then the robot starts making choices, and you are oblivious and this is where you end up it's it's actually quite because beautiful i think the way that, that 
that's that, what the yeah, people thought they wanted. That we're escaping. Yeah, we're we're we fall into the trap of of amusing ourselves to death. You know, as yeah. they say, right? And then yeah. and then somebody says, "No, I like pain," like John Savage in Brave New World. Right? I want to be sad. I want to be angry. I want to be suicidal. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. then <laughs> and look, he's a celebrity. Right? They they <laughs> twist it against him. Here it it's. It, the people I feel sorry for are the guy who comes up to him while he's working on the thought bus and says, that's illegal. Because those people are all around us, right? Oh, man. Uh, uh, this is... Uh, had that... Had, had At that point, had she cut off the drugs? Because that seemed uh, to me, like, that guy already was like, whoa, why is he even talking? No, what so, does he care? So the, so, the soma's still good, right? But but it's not birth control. No, she said, they're all going to... It's been cut off. But what she meant was pockets, no so. more is going to be manufactured. Yeah, so had it happened yet? At that point, my question is... turkey, it's going to be... At dead. that point, had they gone no. cold turkey? I don't no, think he, so. he had his stash because he took something out of his pocket straight away when he went off. Oh, and that's, he, oh he still had some. Okay, that's right. Yeah. But even Annabelle was as dumping herself full of Valium. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And of course, she had um, her sadness over her husband and... Everything else. I also like to think of of him living in her house, right? That yeah. she snuck in there one time, and then mm-hmm. and then said, you could nice? live there, right? I can't yeah. live there, but you could live there. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a beautiful book. It's got it's, so much going I'm on. So glad everybody liked it. Um, Thank I your just, mom for us. I, I am <laughs> going to. Um, it's see how many people yeah. heard 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 Lord about it through book. you. Heard about it from you and then heard about it from us uh, in this podcast. There's going to be a lot of people who read it because of her. I'm so glad. And I'm gonna, she's going to be so thrilled to hear that other people are reading it. So many. So I'm so glad. I Thank think Marissa you. would have been here uh, very, very happily talking about there's so many, the Westworld connection. and Yeah, I, we, we, we could have spent another hour talking about that. Oh, <laughs> we, we spent a couple yeah. hours talking about it as it is, but it's a great book and yeah. Um, uh, thank you, Julie. Yes, thank oh, you very much. Yes, you're thanks. very welcome. I'm so glad. Good choice. I'm glad it went on the schedule. I don't know how it got on there, but I'm so glad it did. Just you last stu- time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of, yeah, we kind of got browbeat into it, Jesse. Well, oh, I, I described it, and everybody, and Paul, you said what? This is by yeah, the author I, of The Man Who Fell to Earth, and everybody just suddenly went, when can we talk about it? And I was like, wow. <laughs> That's this right. Was, uh, I didn't expect that response. So, yeah. And thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.